Teens are faced daily with issues like body image, sex, dating, substance abuse, materialism, perfectionism, and so much more. Today, Kristen Hatton is here to discuss her informative books for teens and parents to be proactive and intentional in preparing their children and hopefully stop this increased wave of mental health issues and idolatry. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. Today I have Kristen Hatton on the show, and she is a counselor and author, and she's passionate about helping families. She is the author of Get Your Story Straight, FaceTime, and The Gospel-Centered Life in Exodus for Students, and her most recent book, Parenting Ahead. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about having this conversation with you and learning all about your organization. I am too, because I have so many sticky notes all over these pages of uh, great stuff that you've written in this book that I think is so important for parents to read. And I take the sticky notes back out and then we donate the books to our nonprofit now to give them to parents who can't afford to buy these books. So I'm so excited to have you on the show to talk about this book also. So you wrote FaceTime for Teenage Girls. So I would like to briefly touch upon that book. Before we discuss your Parenting Ahead book, tell us about your book FaceTime and how it can help teenagers and parents navigate today's society of teens glued to their phones more than ever before. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Well, I wrote FaceTime to help girls, teen girls specifically, deal honestly and rightly with issues like body image, sex, dating, substance abuse, materialism, perfectionism. There's lots of topics included in there, but it's very different than other books tackling just topical things that teens deal with. The crux of the book is making known to the reader who Jesus is for her and who she is in him. So basically the theology of justification. I want girls to find their true worth and rest in Jesus. It's the most important truth that she can grasp when it comes to identity and worth. And so all these things that we we turn to, all of us as humans, but we see teens turning to, for instance, their phones and social media and trying to you know, have the perfect grid and the perfect image and their body, all these things. There's something underneath that. It's it's what is the root? What is really driving her? And so we need to look at those false gods or those idols because that's that's where we get to the heart of what's driving, say, their phone use or why they're so obsessed or having FOMO, the fear of being left out or not being enough. So really the book, even though it addresses all these topics, it's not prescriptive. There's no formula. It's more about helping her see the idolatry and then turning to Jesus instead to see that he is her worth. And so in it, I, I, um, I, I spend the first part of the book really talking about the theology, just our sin nature and what, who we need who Jesus is for us and what that then means for us. And then the the second part of the book, I have case studies with all these different topics. And so they can actually practice applying the gospel to the different scenarios. So I try to make gospel theology in a very everyday practical kind of way. And 
I also think that part of the problem is because teens are not connected to the families. If they don't have a strong connection with family, they're looking for another type of family. They want to feel connected, loved, accepted. They want to be able to freely talk about their heart's desires, their problems, their issues. And that's why it's so important when they're young to connect with your children when they're young and, and make sure that family connection is strong. A hundred percent, which gets then to parenting ahead. And really as a counselor, what I see so often in the counseling room is these kids are just craving attention and they don't feel accepted or loved or known. I mean, we know families are busy and we're going in a million different directions. And I think sometimes on the parent side, we think like, how could our child not think that we love them? Because we do, of course, but we're so distracted that a lot of times we are just multitasking and we're not really connecting with them in the way that they feel heard and understood. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed Parenting Ahead. And so you've shared briefly why you wrote it. You have this situation where parents are coming in with these issues. Is there a specific issue that you could share with us? I see a lot of teens in the counseling room. And by the time they make it into the counseling room, it's a lot of relational hurt has built up over the years. And so part of just being a counselor and in wanting this book to go out is the being on the proactive side. Like if I can help parents in the earlier years, learn to build a connection with their kids, to speak the gospel, to live redemptively in their homes, what difference would it make as their children grow older? My hope is maybe less kids would struggle with some of these mental health issues and the problems that we're seeing in the counseling room. Maybe it would prevent them from having the issues they do that, you know, even make them come to see me. But I mean, my kind of, I have lots of pieces to what led to parenting ahead. I also see parents have so much fear surrounding the teenage years. And so I wanted to help parents of younger children really see that what you do matters in the early years. And again, no formulas, but there are things, gospel foundations that we can put in place so that we don't have to be paralyzed by fear. And then what I see on the opposite end is parents of teenagers have just gotten to a place where they just throw their hands up and abdicate their responsibility. But what I observe from those particular parents is really there wasn't the the gospel foundation being laid all along the way. So I really want it to be an encouragement to families and to help them feel equipped towards proactive, intentional, Jesus-reliant, long-haul parenting. Yes, because we can change our children's hearts, whether they're young or teenagers. We just need to know how to do it. Parents need the tools. They need to know what methods work. So this is great. And so in Parenting Ahead, you talk about overparenting and underparenting. What can be done to help parents change these behaviors? And tell us about the tools parents can use to tell if they are over-parenting or under-parenting. Yeah, sure. So I'll first explain the terms, even though they might be self-explanatory. But over-parenting is really helicopter parenting. And under-parenting does not mean neglectful parenting. It is more the permissive parent. And so we need to evaluate the why behind our parenting styles. And again, it goes back to idols, just as I was talking about that with the teenage girls who turn to different things. Our own idols as parents drives our parenting styles. So by idol, I mean anything other than God that's ruling our heart. So with a helicopter parent or an overparenting parent, what is driving the 
the tendency to micromanage our child's schoolwork. You know, I'm trying to control and ensure their future success, or maybe it's a fear of what others might think if my child didn't do something or that he or she was supposed to. So we see these functional gods that we're trusting in and that drives us to try to control. A lot of times it's, it's fear and control. For the permissive parent and not laying down boundaries or saying no, the functional God may be peace above all or my child's happiness. We, we think, oh, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want my child to be mad at me. And so it feels like I'll just, you know, be their, be their best friend. And so we don't put down boundaries. But again, what is ruling our heart is what's driving us to make these parenting decisions. So a good litmus test to help us evaluate what's driving this. One that I really like, I talk about is, is from Paul Tripp, and it's the, the open palm or the closed fist. And so if you can imagine your hands, if they're tight in a fist hanging on to what we think we have to have. So control our children's, you know, their good behavior so that I look good because we so often find our identity wrapped up in our children's behavior and performance. So we have these desires, which are fine desires maybe, but if we have a clenched fist around them, it's a pretty good sign that maybe it's become an idol. But if we're able to hold them open in our palm, where is, you know what, if, if this happens, that's fine. If it doesn't happen, I can be okay. Or Lord, help me to be okay. Then it's not so much a ruling idol. And I think also evaluating our emotions. Why did I get so angry? Why did I respond in such a way? These things can be a good clue as to what's going on in our hearts that was so upsetting to us, maybe because there's an idol that it's pointing to. I think I was a little bit of both. I was an overparent at times only because I wanted my children to, you know, walk in the direction God intended for them. So I wanted to make sure they were, you know, doing everything they needed to do, staying close to the Lord, reading the Bible, not not going here, not going there, not watching this television show or, you know, so I might have been overparenting in that way, making sure their grades were good. And then sometimes I was underparenting because I wanted to make sure that they didn't think I was this hard mom that never let them, you know, enjoy life or have fun in life or experience things. So I kind of think I did both at times. And maybe that was good. Maybe that was bad. I don't know. But I think it's when we take it to the extreme either way, like you're saying, is when we have a problem. Yeah. And you're exactly right. It's not uncommon that parents can teeter from one to the other, depending on what the issue is. And really, I mean, we're talking about parents who love their children and are good parents. And so we have good intentions. And yet, because we are sinners, our idols get mixed in where, you know, it, it of course, I mean, what you're talking about is I want my children to, to love the Lord and to follow him. And yet then we try to control and instead of trusting God with their stories and the sanctification process, we try to, you know, take care of it ourselves. Yeah. So also you talk about spiritual conversations and gospel centrality. Could you tell us the importance of both and how to incorporate those two concepts? Okay. Yeah. So as parents, we are our children's number one shaping influence, including spiritual influence. So it's not enough to drop them off at the church and think that they're going to come out trusting Jesus and living obediently to him. What we do in our homes, what we talk about, what we prioritize is absolutely crucial to our children's spiritual development. 
And Deuteronomy 6 tells us we are to teach them diligently at all times. So it's out of this everyday talk that our kids will learn to put on gospel glasses. So what do I mean by gospel glasses? I'm talking about God's story, the meta narrative of the Bible, creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration, informing how we see all of life. So knowing who God is and seeing our own sinful condition in need of grace, forgiveness, and redemption, and the brokenness of the world in need of renewal, that gives us the framework then to look at all things. So in our teaching, if we're focusing just on morality, right living, we're actually leading our kids to self-reliance and a works-based theology. So the centrality of the gospel is key. And so we have to constantly be putting before them our need for a savior and Christ's work and worth for us, his perfection, his righteousness as our covering. And so the more we see our idols exposed, the more we know our sin, the more we see that we need Jesus. Whereas if we're just focusing on behavior and doing the right things, our kids can learn to play the game and to fake that and might think they're doing pretty good. And yet they aren't really seeing that they're a sinner in a deeper way than just in a general sense. And so what we see often is kids who are raised in the church, they go off to college and adulthood and they leave the church. And I would say that is definitely connected to theology. Are we espousing just a workspace morality, like Christianity is more about just doing good, being good, or are we helping our kids see their brokenness and their need and leading them to rest secure in Jesus's perfection and righteousness for them. Absolutely. It's not about behavior modification. It's about a heart transformation. And I think we need to make sure that we put Deuteronomy 6 first and foremost in in our parenting journey with our children. That way you will train them up in the way they should go. And you want that heart transformation because we're all sinners from birth. I can't thank you enough for writing this book. I Hope our audience will go out and purchase Parenting Ahead, preparing now for the teenage years. If you want an easier, and I'm serious, an easier time in your life when you're raising teenagers, prepare now when they're little. It's it's proven. It's a proven fact. God blesses you for that. Taking their little hearts and transforming them early will just benefit you when they are teenagers and they're really facing difficult times. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.